0: is going on? Welcome to the show. Happy Friday. News Talk 1110 993 WBT. Pete Callender here, The Pete Callender Show. You can email Pete at The Pete Callender Show. And you can also hit me up on the Twitter machine at Pete Callender. You can also call 704 570 1110 1 800 WBT 1110. I will let you know that we've got quite a bit of interviews stacked up for the second half of today's program. Uh, we have, uh, I don't even remember, who do we have? We've got. Becky Gray, she's going to give us a legislative rundown, uh, the week that was, if you will, and then we're going to do the, um, uh, we're going to do a couple interviews. One with Pat McCrory. We're going to do one with Michael Watley from the uh, North Carolina Republican Party. So uh, all of that's coming up in the second half of the program. First, though, the superintendent. Like I don't even have any show prep on this. Okay, like I've prepped. I'm going to get into the redistricting, the congressional maps for a, a bit because the state senator from Mecklenburg County is like. Very upset because she's not going to be able to to represent the people. It's not that she's mad she's losing her job. Uh, it's that she's not able to represent the people. Anyway, so I'm going get, to get, get to that. Um, but just listening to Garrison's newscast there. <laughs> so from now on, if anybody ever calls, by the way, if you call into this show and you ask me a question that I do not want to answer or do not know the answer, I'm just going to say, are there any other questions? Apparently, that passes for a response now at CMS. Are there any other questions? So, what, the superintendent does not know how many rapes or sexual assaults there are. He's creating a CMS SVU. I almost said SUV. CMS SVU. Right, with, uh, what's his face? Ice-T? Ice Cube. Ice Cube? Which one? No, Ice-T. Yeah, Ice-T. The one that did the rap songs about You know, how bad the cops were and then has made like a whole career pretending to be a cop on TV. That guy. He's creating a CMS SVU. And the idea is to take the investigation away from the schoolhouse level or the school level staff that right now investigates these allegations of sexual assault. It's to take it from the school level staff and to bump it up to the administrative level staff. All right, look, you know me. I'm a giver, right? I am all about solutions. So I'm just going to throw this out there. Just think about it for a minute or two. You don't have to answer right away. Just spitball in here. How about you let the freaking cops do the investigation? How about that? Is that okay? No, I understand CMS has sworn law enforcement officers. They go through training and all of that stuff. But it doesn't even sound like that's who he's looking to put in place here. I don't know. There are no details I am aware of of this. But how about when you have allegations of a crime, you let the criminal investigators do the investigations? How about that? Just throwing it out there. Why is CMS doing any of this at all? Why should they be doing any of this? This is one of the things it happens at the college level. These Title IX investigations, these witch trials that that uh, get set up on certain campuses, and I don't understand why. Well, I do understand. See, I'm saying it, and I know why. So they get to maintain control. They get to mask the numbers if they would like to, right? They get to kind of bury stuff with non-disclosure agreements with 15-year-old kids. So this way, they don't. Uh, uh, besmirch the reputation of the school or something. This isn't going to solve the problem. The the problem is you've got the school investigating itself. And whether it's at a district level or at a school level, it doesn't matter. Yeah, because I'm sure, yes, I'm sure the administrative level investigators are going to be completely isolated and insulated from any kind of political uh influence right i'm sure there's going to be nothing at all that presents some side of uh, some kind of uh uh, peer pressure or influence or anything like that they're they're going to be completely above it all outside the jurisdiction or outside the uh, sphere of influence of cms administration even though it's their bosses right i'm sure this is now don't 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 Call and ask me any questions about this. Are there any other questions? Just going to move on. That's what I'm going to do from now on. Apparently that's acceptable now. The things that we... What has happened? I've been gone for eight years. What has happened? How did it get this bad? How did you end up with, with a superintendent that gets to say that at a press conference and that's acceptable behavior among the press corps? How'd that happen? What happened to you guys? He used to be cool. Well, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> never cool. But no, like the, that would never fly. Ever. Is it because he used to work at the Observer? Is that the thing and nobody wants to hurt his feelings and everybody's like, "Well, he's our friend. We like him." He gets to just say I mean, from the other night at the the Hopewell High School uh Parent Passion Fest or whatever they called it, we're we're so glad we came here and got to listen to parents Express themselves. Oh, shut up! Seriously, really? Like that's the we are glad to have listened to them, and uh, and to hear their voices. No, it's not. It's not to hear their voices. It's to hear what they are saying to you. I went over this yesterday. There's a compact. There's a contract here. Citizens give government certain uh, controls. They give up certain liberties in exchange for these things. But if you are unable or unwilling to satisfy your end of the bargain, the bargain is off. By the way, this is the same thing at the heart of the Rittenhouse trial, too. Same thing, except it's self-defense. Right? The government abdicated it's part of its contract with the citizens. And so, those rights then automatically go back to the citizens because you're not doing it. You're not providing protection. You're not providing uh, self-defense. You're not... Right? You're not doing these things You're not uh, defending these businesses You're not defending the uh, citizens And so now it devolves back to the citizen I, yeah, I, I don't see how bumping it up to the admin level Is going to solve the problem But then again, I don't work for GovCo So what do I know? Happy International Non-Birthing Person Day I didn't get you anything that's oh, International Men's Day. Did you know such a thing existed? I did not. I know it's such a man thing. Forgetting the the date of an anniversary or something. It's <laughs> Pete. Your gift will be on Monday. <laughs> My gift will be on Monday. Yeah, your gift will come on Monday. Okay, why why is that? Because it's late. My gift for you for for International Men's Day will be here on Monday. Is that do, are you are you hunting for this? Yes. <laughs> that, however, did not make that joke funnier. Well, it makes my jokes 52% funnier. I am 52% funnier with the rim shot. My- I cannot, like, I said this to Brett Winterbull yesterday. He's already way funnier, so it doesn't have that kind of an impact for him. He doesn't need that steroid. Exactly. Exactly. I, on the other hand, you my might, jokes are 5.2% funnier. Yeah, you may need, I don't even know what you would do <laughs> <for> <laughs> like more like, of a rim like, shot. Like 10 rim shots in a row. Well, no, because then that's not funny anymore. Oh. There's a law, there's there's a law that's of not diminishing the, returns. That's not how the math works? No. So the deal with the rim shots is pretty straightforward. You either you do the rim shot at the appropriate time, one and done, that's it. Because if you go too many, mm-hmm then it it starts to be annoying and makes everything not funny it works inversely ah, i'm going to write that down unless it works inversely unless key caveat okay unless you do it way too much <laughs> <laughs> you can go way too far and then when you go too far there comes a point where now it becomes funny again but there's this dead zone in between one and like 7? <laughs> no, no, like you got to hit double digits. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm learning so much, Pete. I'm a giver. What can I say? Yeah. You know. Alrighty, so let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh redistricting. <sighs> no, no, this is important stuff. It is, and look, this is going to be the subject of lawsuits, so we got... It, it, This is just for the base understanding of what's going on. So this way, when the lawsuits happen and we're in the court cases, we're all going to remember, oh, yeah, that's what this case is about. Right. So we got to catch up on some of this stuff because I haven't really touched on the redistricting stuff in a a while. So state legislature redraws the maps every 10 years after the census and the maps. uh, These are for uh, the state house, the state senate as well as the u.s house of representatives now the state maps are controlled by rules at the state level and then there are rules for the congressional maps we're going to see lawsuits i'm sure at all levels okay so for purposes for this topic here this is just the state level maps and specifically the state senate maps okay Here is WRAL's Laura Leslie, Capitol Bureau Chief. She writes, politically, North Carolina is a swing state with neither major party having a large advantage. And I love how she just says that, but I'm uh, like, what do you mean a large advantage? What does that mean? Like winning the presidential contests, winning the gubernatorial contests, winning council of state contests, winning... Congressional seats, winning legislative seat. Anyway, she got to get into the story somehow. So that's how she did it. Anyway, uh, new congressional district maps proposed by Republican lawmakers would give the GOP an 11-3 advantage in U.S. House seats by splitting Democratic counties into different districts to reduce their political powers, uh, their power. Uh, so I lied. This is about the congressional seats. I apologize. This is the congressional House seats. To come out with a map that has an overwhelming number of districts that are going to be Republican, regardless of how the others play out, is inherently patently unfair, said Senate Minority Leader Dan Blue. So that's the standard he's asserting. And this is important. Democrats assert this standard that because North Carolina has a certain voter registration proportion where you have more Democrats than Republicans as registered voters, unaffiliated are actually number two and they're about to overtake Democrats as the largest registration grouping um so they make this argument that you have to have essentially proportional representation and he's making this argument in the context of the congressional maps you got 14 congressional seats and we should split the seats up so the outcomes are predetermined based on the proportion of registered democrats to registered republicans or they'll even go sometimes like uh, the uh, the results of the last presidential race. So if it was a 51-49 split, well then we should split up the seats 51-49. So basically a uh, you know 7-7 split or an 8 or yeah 8-6 split. It's a it, what it what this argument proves is that they do, in fact, work backwards from the outcomes. Okay, they they are looking for a particular outcome, and then they will reverse engineer the maps to get to where they want to be. Meanwhile, they will attack Republicans for doing that very thing. Oh, and by the way, the worst gerrymanders around America right now are coming out of Democrat states. New York Times did a piece on this. Like, why is it that... Uh these states are doing such a bad job. And again, this is important because the arguments that the Democrats make at the state level, and they're going to be making in court, fly in the face of their own behavior. And that's why I don't believe them. <laughs> that's why I don't trust them. I don't believe them. when they... And, and look, the Charlotte City Council redistricting is another example of it. I also saw one of our Charlotte City Council members retweeted a story into the Charlotte City Council Twitter hashtag feed about Wake County Commissioners' new districts, seemingly in approval of what they did, right? So they're trying to reverse engineer to get from where they're in power. How do you draw a map that makes it more likely that that happens, while castigating their opponents for doing the exact same thing? let talk 1110-993-WBT. W R A L story on the redistricting, on the maps that were approved. Despite Democrat opposition, Senate Minority Leader Dan Blue says, uh, it's one sense of fairness, I think, that's on trial here. If you want to be fair, you know what a fair map would look like, and you know what the fair numbers would indicate in a state that's 50-50. Right? So there. this is the premise. A state like North Carolina that's 50-50, they say, 50-50, Democrat-Republican, I don't know by what measure they're going, but uh, let's say voter registration where Democrats lead, or I guess you can go the other direction and say presidential outcomes where Republicans like usually win. Um, so he says it's a 50-50 state, so therefore the congressional map should be split 50-50, Democrats and Republicans. But Catawba College political science professor Michael Bitzer said statewide averages don't tell the whole story. Seven of every 10 voting precincts in North Carolina lean strongly towards one party or the other. Seventy percent of our precincts do this. He said, quote, trying to draw these maps that are, in some words, fair, that might be competitive. It's really a difficult task when so many North Carolina voters have pretty much sorted themselves into like minded communities. Bitzer agreed the maps will probably face a court challenge for political gerrymandering, but he said Republicans have a motive to push their advantage as far as they can. Quote, we know the Republicans are very focused on redistricting efforts because they need only a handful of U.S. House seats to take the majority. One of those seats could come out of and is likely to come out of North Carolina. By the way, Democrats are also motivated by the same thing, trying to keep as many seats as possible. So what do Democrats do when they have the power? Well, this is an idea, by the way. Like when they were doing their own city council districts, Councilmember Braxton Winston suggested they get rid of the at-large uh, uh, council seats and make more district seats. That is an idea. That concept. Now, how you work the numbers or whatever, like that remain. That would have to be worked out. But the the idea to eliminate the at-large and go to district only, I actually I support that idea. I think that is of merit, and here's why. Council representation leads to more focus on core services, better constituent services, a more responsive representative, because they're at your local level, um, and the at-large system helps to insulate a lot of your special interests. Okay? Okay. Also, by the way, district representation, it allows for and protects and preserves minority representation. And that could be any kind of minority, by the way. And I know a lot of people are like, well, minority representation, you're talking about black voters. Well, yeah, it could be black voters. It could be conservative voters. Whoever the minority is in a particular city or jurisdiction. Which is why I saw on Twitter when Braxton Winston retweeted a story. There's a hashtag called uh, CLTCC on Twitter. It's Charlotte City Council CLTCC. And so, if you want to know what's going on with the Charlotte City Council stuff, you can go to that hashtag. You just type in the pound sign CLTCC, and you'll see stories. It's like a it's like a feed, right? And he. Posted into that feed a story out of Wake County. These are county commissioners. They approved new districts and they changed the terms. Okay. He sent that into the Charlotte City Council feed. Now, I assume he did so because he wants there to be districts, all districts. Again, a concept I agree with. But listen to this. Here's the story from the News and Observer. The Wake County Board of Commissioners will now be elected on four-year staggered terms. Four-year staggered terms after leaders approved changes to local elections. Now all seven members are elected every two years at the same time. So what, what did they do? They made them four-year terms, which city council members want to do here too, as I understand it. They've been arguing for that for 20 years. Democrats have. Four-year staggered terms. What does that mean? That is a status quo protection. That's what that is. That is a mechanism to protect the status quo. Think U.S. Senate, right? Not all the U.S. senators are up for election at the same time. They're on six-year terms, and so it's all staggered. Sometimes it lands on a presidential year. Sometimes it doesn't. Not all the Senate seats are up at once. It preserves a, a continuity of governance. And you can make an argument for or against that, okay? But it is a status quo protection mechanism. It also allows those politicians to run for other seats while keeping their current seats. That's one of the other benefits by staggering the terms. Wake County's seven elected commissioners represent the entire county and are voted on a countywide basis. But the commissioner must live in the district they represent. This prevents all of the county's representation from living in one area or city. So they've gotta this is like the dumbest of all systems I think uh, where they're like well we're gonna you gotta live in the district but we're gonna put you up for a vote countywide that's stupid that that that's allowing let I me mean, think about it right in they've got seven districts so what you could have everybody that lives in a district vote for candidate a and then everybody in the other six districts vote for candidate B. And they would overrule the local voters in that one district. Okay, so the majority of the county gets to dictate to you at the district level who your representative will be. This is stupid. But it is a protection racket for the powers that be. And in Wake County, that would be the Democrats. See, the idea that Democrats want a 50-50 split, it's only that they want the 50-50 split at the congressional level or even at the legislative level, state legislative level, they're only making these arguments because that's the most superior argument they can make. That's the most persuasive or compelling argument that they can make. Because when they have the power, they reject these arguments. They don't do these things, right? Which is why I don't believe them when they make the argument now to split it all up, make sure that we have, you know, equal, you know, a 50, 50 split. I'm not buying it. You shouldn't either. Um, Andy Jackson, the director of the Civitas Center for Public Integrity with the John Locke Foundation. He watched the public hearings that occurred, and I watched some of them. They were just very boring because they were the same organizations that showed up. Here's what he says, um, that the uh, that groups or a group salts the public hearings for future redistricting lawsuits. That's the point here. Okay, they're preparing the path. Organizations are trying to manipulate the process by training people on not just how to testify at public hearings, but what to say at the hearings. Those groups are seeking to salt hearing records to build a public record for lawsuits against any districts that the General Assembly passes. That's so true. Diamond test. I think uh, Brett's in that promo, he's talking about the MacGuffin. You don't ever know what the MacGuffin is, but it's just stuff. It's there. It's like, this is the thing that's so important. And it doesn't even really matter. You just know that, like, one person's trying to get it. One person is trying to keep the other person from getting it. So that's it. And you just pick a guy and, like, that's where we are, team sport. Like, all right. Um, Speaking of which, this is the uh, redistricting battle. Andy Jackson, the director of the Civitas Center for Public Integrity at the John Locke Foundation, he gave testimony during the public hearing, but he talked about a group that has been putting people into the public hearings. They've trained up people to go into the public hearings, say specific things in order to leave. He calls it uh, salting the ground, I think, or salts the hearings. Um I would say like leaves breadcrumbs or maybe uh, you could say uh, plants the seeds, tills the field, whatever analogy you want to use. I'm not, you know, I'm not picky. But one group in particular has been active in seeking to use the redistricting hearings as tools for litigation. It's a group called All on the Line. All on the Line. It's a wholly owned project of the National Redistricting Action Fund. And that functions as the advocacy and lobbying arm of Eric Holder's National Democratic Redistricting Committee. I know there's a lot of, like, group names I'm giving you here. But just remember, Eric Holder's group, they've got a lobbying arm, and that lobbying arm has this all-on-the-line organization working for it. This is not conjecture, uh, conjecture. One of the leaders of the North Carolina Project, um, all on the line, has publicly stated they want to have testimony in the public record that can, quote, be impactful during any future litigation. Right? This is not a conspiracy theory. This is what they say they're doing. We have the right to form organizations, of course. We can do so to help instruct members of the General Assembly. However, let's not pretend. That the comments presented at the hearings are representative of the general public. Okay, you've got organized. And by the way, this is straight from the playbook that the Democrats ran when there was the creation of the quote independent redistricting commission in California that ProPublica blew the lid off of years later. Of course, after you know Republicans had been wiped out of all governance in the state of California because of the way Democrats gamed the system. They created fake groups, fake communities of interest of, of similar interest that then went down and lobbied for uh, lines to be drawn in certain areas, knowing full well that the whole purpose was to get Democrats elected. So back to the uh, North Carolina news and observer uh, reports that the new political maps passed through the legislature could unseat several politicians whose homes would now be in the same district as one of their fellow officials. Some might choose to retire others to fight it out against a fellow incumbent. Still others could decide to move to a district that doesn't have an incumbent or is more politically favorable. And by the way, that's why you're seeing or hearing a lot of the uh, announcements as of late where you've got all these moves going on. Like we just saw uh, David Price, the Congressman he's uh, retiring and um not going to run for re-election. You got a, uh, uh, GK Butterfield, Uh, he made his announcement. He's not running for re-election. And uh, I was actually uh, chatting with, uh, uh, every Friday morning I do a a live hit up in Raleigh and in Greensboro, and I talk with the morning guy up there, Casey O'Day. And uh, he's, we we were talking about this, like this guy, Butterfield, like I was looking through his record, or yeah, the, the announcements and the coverage and stuff. There's nothing in his record. Like, there's nothing there that says Butterfield was the champion for, you know, this legislation that got passed. Butterfield was responsible for this thing. No, every comment, every uh, every quote, everything from all the reports, it was just like, oh, he was a real champion for his constituents. He represented his people well. Uh, that was it. And he's mad because the lines uh, got drawn and now... His uh, his district isn't as easily winnable for a Democrat, so he's so he's mad, so he's retiring. Um, double bunkings. This is what uh, people are complaining about. This happens at the congressional level, but it also happens at the state level. They try to avoid it as much as possible, but in some cases, it's it's not avoidable. You just you can't do anything about it because the demographic patterns have shifted, housing patterns, you know, and development have shifted. Other cases of double bunking, though, are avoidable. GOP lawmakers did agree to fix several of these double bunkings as the process went along, but not all. Now, one of the double bunkings was Mecklenburg County's Democratic State Senator, Natasha Marcus. And I've got audio from her uh, during a committee hearing a couple of, uh, I guess it was about a week or so ago. Republicans say that they offered Marcus a chance to draw her own district without a double bunk. All right. They Republicans say they gave her this opportunity. And she did so on a Tuesday night, creating a district that met certain tests in the legislature's self-imposed redistricting criteria better than the GOP version of the map. However, That was on a Tuesday night. On Wednesday morning, she never submitted the amendment during the Senate vote. Marcus and Senator Dan Blue said that Republicans, specifically Senator Paul Newton from Cabarrus County, I believe, told them that the only way the Republicans would accept the amendment that would save Marcus is... If the Democrats agreed to include the same version of a Southern Mecklenburg district that Democrats had previously said is an example of gerrymandering. Now, Republicans say it's not true. A spokesman for Senate leader Phil Berger told the NC Insider that they never made such a demand. All right. So you got a he said, she said going on on this. I don't know what the truth is. But Marcus was told, hey, draw a map. If you got a better idea. Let's see it. And she did, but she never submitted it for a vote. But the map did exist. And she talked about the map in her um, comments at the committee level. And what I find to be interesting about her map is that she splits up Davidson in order to protect her seat, her job. She that was that was their version of it. That was the Democrats version of it. Again, they did not offer this as an amendment, but this was the map they said was superior. That would split Davidson while also, by the way, arguing against splitting up other urban areas, Wake County, Guilford County, Mecklenburg County. They So Democrats are arguing against splitting up Charlotte and against splitting up Raleigh yet. She wanted to split up Davidson, County, or the city of Davidson, town of Davidson. She wanted to split Davidson. Why? Because it would benefit her. It would keep her in her seat. We'll take a listen to her rationale, which was not persuasive. But we'll take a listen to it up next. News coming up next on News Talk 1110 ninety nine three wbt